So if you turn to the Old Testament in the book of Jonah, we'll just look at chapter 1, although we're going to look at chapter 1 and 4, because what we're going to do with Jonah himself is have a look at Jonah and his attitude, Um, but we find the answer to his attitude in chapter 4, and then we'll do some application um, towards the end, because I think that's important for you and for me to apply it to ourselves. So, um, instead of just reading through it now and then going back through text, I'm just going to read verse by verse anyway. So just hang on in there. Instead of reading it and then reading it again, uh, we'll just read uh, verse by verse. Just a little bit of background to Jonah. Um, Jonah has turned up elsewhere in the Old Testament, uh, and it's the second book of Kings. And uh, he was given a message by the Lord. It was a good news message. Go to the people of Israel and tell them, uh, the Lord's going to step in. Uh, and he was willing to go and do it. Okay? Now he's given a good news message of a different sort. It wasn't to Israel. It was to these people. Okay? My emphasis added. Okay? Verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Verse 2 gives us what that word is. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Now, we'll just stop there for a moment. So now you know the word of the Lord that came to Jonah was the evil of the, uh, the people of Nineveh has come up before the Lord. Now, <clears throat> actually, The truth is that the evil of the people of Nineveh had come up before the Lord always. This wasn't something that was hidden and then went, boo, to God, okay? (laughs) Sorry about that. I should have warned you that I do these sort of things. So if you're falling asleep, I will boo. Um, I'll be watching, okay? And, And so you need to be nice and awake so you don't get a fright. All right, so... This wasn't a surprise to God. This was something that was well known to God and also well known to the prophet. The prophet knew very well that these people were a horrible people. The things that they did, the sacrifices that they were up to and and so on. It was a horrible, um, uh, they were doing horrible things. And this prophet, Jonah, despised them for it. So in one sense, you can say, well, you know, maybe Jonah wasn't terribly badly wrong here because they were a terrible people. So you can maybe at the very beginning of the story begin to feel somewhat sorry for Jonah. Okay? But the, that's what it says. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Now, you would think that this, if this was the command of the Lord to the prophet, that the prophet would go uh, to the place because he's going to preach against it. Your sin has come up before the Lord, and he's coming to get you. You know, um, he seems um, not very keen on that whole idea. And the answer, of course, comes in chapter 4, which we'll get to. So be patient. But this is something that's really important that begins to demonstrate something about Jonah that might appear in our own heart. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish 
from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. He paid the fare and went down in, uh, into it to go into uh, to go with them to Tarsus from the Lord's presence. Wow. So he has, he's called as a prophet to proclaim a message that sin has come up before the Lord and the Lord has seen it and he's going to do something about it. Now he says, I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them that the Lord has seen their sin and I'm not going to tell them anything. I'm going to run. I'm going to flee from the Lord. I'm going to run from his presence. Now, the thing about Jonah that really annoys me is <laughs> I, I'm guilty of trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. I've kind of indicated a little uh, bit today um, uh, when uh, Stephen was asking me a little bit about my, my background. And uh, when I became a Christian, I back, backslid after a, a few months and I, I, I wanted to leave the Isle of Lewis because I would see these Christians and, and they'd be smiling at me. You know, these nice Christians Hi, Roddy, how are you? You okay? No, I'm not okay, was the real answer. And it just started to irritate me. They were really nice. And I just thought, they're just doing it deliberately. They're doing it to deliberately to annoy me and to make me feel guilty. So I thought, stuff them. I'm going to leave Lewis because God, God is in Lewis, but he's not in Glasgow. And I can hide from God in Glasgow. And I can do whatever I want in Glasgow. I can hide in the big tall buildings. We don't have many tall buildings in, in Lewis for various good reasons. Usually the wind is one of them. But um, there you go. Um, so I, I actually did this. The Lord had shed his blood for me. And I chose to run. Here's the thing about running from the Lord, and you need to listen here, because this is what I found by experience. When you're running from the Lord, you will usually find a way to go. Like Jonah, he found a boat going in the opposite direction. And in a sense then, as we begin to look at the story of Jonah and maybe put ourselves in there, in a sense you can begin to ask yourself that beautiful question. You know, what does the Lord want of me? Have I run away from the Lord? Are there things that the, the light of God's word has been shining on my life and I've been hiding from it, not dealing with it, not repenting about that sin, not, not willing to forgive someone or whatever it might be? We, we can run from the Lord in many different ways. Or you can still be religious, as Jonah thought he was, when you get to the text, we'll get there in a moment. He thought he was still a, a Hebrew and worshipped the Lord, but he was running from the Lord, not wanting to listen to the Lord, and certainly not apply the word of the Lord to his proclamation uh, to the people uh, of Nineveh. So, I'm asking a question, because... Um, again, um, I hope that most ministers have a passion for people. And if we have a passion for people, we realize that people, you guys are just like me. That's the truth. Now, I know some of us think of ourselves higher than we ought to, uh, but you are just like me. 
you have a heart and the capacity to deny God's word, to deny what he's saying to you and asking you to do, and follow him. And I can guarantee you, like I discovered, that when you're running from the Lord, you will find a way. You will find something to take you away from the Lord. But the big story of Jonah is that you can flee from the Lord, but the Lord is in pursuit. So, really, I'm asking you to put yourself in the story. Think of yourself. Think of your life in this moment. Think about the attitude of Jonah. We'll get to that regarding Nineveh in a second. Well, a few few seconds. If you want to keep it literal, it's quite a few seconds. But So when the Lord is in pursuit of you and me, or, by the way, you don't need a whale to be a Jonah. Okay, just saying that. You don't need a whale to be a Jonah. A runaway disciple, a runaway follower of Jesus, a stubborn, hard-hearted follower of Jesus, not willing to listen to his word. But here, verse 4, chapter 1, says, But the Lord threw up a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. Verse 5, The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They they threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. Wow. Now, um, I know there's one or two you have definitely crossed the mench in bad weather. Now, I remember crossing the mench in loads of bad weather. In fact, I think I broke the record for, for vomiting. Uh, leaving Stornoway, I never even reached the lighthouse. And if you know what that is, it's not even out in the sea. It's still in the harbor. And by the time I reached the lighthouse, I was in the toilet vomiting. On the Sullivan. <clears throat> still makes me sick even thinking about that boat. Anyway, I remember one day I was crossing. And it wasn't the usual ferry. It was another ferry brought in. So it was a little bit smaller. And we were traveling uh, in, in these days, obviously health and safety hadn't hit the Western Isles, so we're, we're definitely sailing in conditions that were very rough. Now, everybody else is both green and fearful. We're all fearful, because every wave is... And everybody is planted in their seat, and they're looking at each other going... I don't know if I'm going to be sick here or do I run because I can't go outside because it's so fierce. Okay? Now, capture this scene. Two or three employees of Caledonian McBrain are there and they used to be able to smoke in these days. So they had a wee roll and they're having a wee chat like this, leaning against the wall. Not an ounce of fear. Not, Not a problem. They were just as calm as like, having a wee blather and a wee fag, and off they went. Everybody else is filled with fear, vomiting, and sick, and feeling all of that stuff. And I'm looking, and I'm going, why ain't they fearful? That ain't dawn. That ain't, that ain't funny. And there was one wave in particular. Everybody took a deep breath. Because it didn't go like that, and go, bum, 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 bum. It went like that, and then, bum, 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 bum. And it wasn't coming back up. 
Now, what do you do in that moment? You know you can't make a run for it because you're, you're going you're to get it. And you're, it's just a fearful moment. I'm caught there. And they're just quite... Yeah. In Gaelic, saying something in Gaelic, as you do. These guys were sailors. And they were filled with fear. The Lord just sent a wind. Boom. And they're into the wind. And they're barely... Anywhere, really, it's, that's the kind of impression that I get. It's so sudden and it's so violent, they're fearful. And that's the sailors. That's the guys who are on the boats all the time. Now, Jonah the prophet is... How in the world can you be... How can you, how can you do that? Well, you know what? I've got to say... Now, when my conscience was bothering me, there were days that it troubled me, even getting to sleep. But there were other days that I found that it was no problem to fall asleep when my conscience was bothering me. And it's usually everybody else around you that is burdened and feeling deeply emotional and worried that you're making a mess of your life. Jonah is fast asleep. The sailors and everybody else are in fear of their lives. And this whole story of fear just gets worse and worse and worse. They're throwing the cargo over the side. The the boat is threatening to break apart. And Jonah is down in the boat, and he had fallen into a deep sleep. I mean, how can you go down into the boat Never mind into the deepest part of the boat and fall asleep, a deep sleep at that. What's going on there? It's just quite an incredible thing. The captain of the boat comes and approaches Jonah and said, What are you doing? Sound asleep. What are you doing? How can you possibly be asleep? Get up. Get up and call on your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Whoever your God is, he says, get up and worship him. Now think of that for a second. Think of it from Jonah's point of view. I I can't really call on my God because I'm uh, running from him. Ah. I think that's kind of inappropriate. Uh, I feel a bit of a hypocrite here. And I guess, you know, if there was ever a ding-ding wake-up moment where the alarm bell was ready to go, this is it. I remember being in Aberdeen, um, and and <laughs> he, he was there, but he, he wasn't in the shop with me this day. Uh, I, I was coming up to exam time, and I thought, I need an alarm clock. I really do need to turn up for the exams. So I thought, I'll maybe go and get an alarm clock. And uh, I went into the shop. It was on Union Street. And uh, there were tons of clocks everywhere. And I thought, right, listen, I, I just want an alarm clock. And he goes, are you deep sleeper? And I says, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I said, I've got the very one for you. And it was just a kind of random-looking thing, but it had a cat on the top uh, with pans, right? Kind of weird-looking clock. I says, I'll, I'll, I'll just test the alarm for you to see if you like it. 
Well, the alarm clock went. Ding, 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 bang, 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 bang. Time to wake up, time to wake up, time to wake up. I went, two days, and I'd be jumping up and down in that thing. I would go mental with that. What an amazing moment this is for Jonah. He's sleeping, running away from the Lord, and he knows. He knows this storm ain't by accident. He knows this is from the Lord. He's coming for me. He's in pursuit. Ding, ding. Captain comes up. Pray to your God. What a moment. Now, let's just imagine that the story of Jonah went, okay, I'll pray to my God. What do you think would have happened? I'm fairly confident in saying, I think that the storm would have probably have died down and they would have come back into shore because he would have said, you know what? This is my fault. Get me back in. Everything will be all right. Oh, but no. When you're seeing the hardness of sinful rebellion, even in a prophet of God, don't think for one second that this cannot apply to you and me. Get up. Pray to your God. Maybe, maybe he will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, verse 7, says the sailors. They said to each other, let's cast lots. <laughs> then we will know who to blame for this trouble we are in. So they cast lots and the lots singled out Jonah. Do you think Jonah was sitting there going, oh, I hope it's not going to be me? <laughs> uh, he knew. He just had the feeling, oh, it's going to be me. He, it's Jonah. And then he said to them, tell us, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business? And where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? Okay. Now, I remember a few years ago now, I was at a wedding. And... Uh, uh, my, my relationship with Lewis is fairly tenuous, other than my name, um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I was at a wedding, and uh, someone from the island came up to me, and, and uh, she was a minister's wife. And I want to put, now I've worked on my Lewis accent here, and she came up to me and says, now, who are your people? And I thought for a second, do I tell her the kind of good side, the not-so-bad side, or the really bad side? I said, I'm one of the Carolinas. And she went, oh, right. And she literally turned around and walked off. So if I want Rudy, I'm going to tell you I'm one of the Carolina, because they were absolutely bonkers, right? And they just people walk away. It's a great way to get rid of people. But anyway, so you're looking at this, right? You're looking at the story here. And who are your people? Where are you from? Quick fire questions. Bang, 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 bang. And then he goes this. Look, just, just look at the answer. And what do you think of the answer? Is this how you would answer the Lord if you're running away from him? Denying him. Refusing to listen to him. Who are you people away from? I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. The God of the heavens. Who made the sea and the dry land. I'm, I'm going to be Jonah here. I'm going to be the sailors over here. I need you to keep awake and look, okay? Jonah. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, 
and earth and who the God who made the sea and the dry land. Well, first of all, Jonah, that's a bit of a lie. Because worshiping the Lord is not running from the Lord and denying his leadership in your life. So what do we learn from Jonah? You can have the name, but be in rebellion on the inside. It's a great story of a teacher who was one of the kids. Don't do this if you're a kid, right? Not good, not cool, right? So he's he who probably did this himself in school. Kid was standing up in class and wouldn't sit down. I don't know if you would be allowed to do this anymore anymore today. But anyway, teacher says, "Uh, Johnny, sit down, please. No. Johnny, sit down. Mm -mm. Teacher walks over behind him, puts hands on the shoulders, and presses him down on the seat. Sit down, Johnny, when I say so. Teacher walks away only to hear the words, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside, was the reply. Well, you see, like Jonah, I think very often you and I can stand up on the inside. We can give an appearance. that Everything is okay. That your life might be falling apart, but you know, the old saying is, how are you today? I'm fine, thanks. Inside going... Inside is looking at you going, what? (laughs) Fine. You're not fine. You're not fine. Things are terrible. Jonah, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. What a lie. No, Jonah, it's all in name. It's all in name. The sailors, what did you just say? I'm a Hebrew. No, no, no. After that. I worship the Lord, the, the God of the heavens. No, no, after that, who made the sea and the dry land. You've offended the God who made the sea and the dry land, and you're on a boat? What are you thinking? You're running from him? Well, of course it's a storm. What kind of world are you living in? You can just see him kind of going, what? <laughs> You've offended the God of who created oh, oh, We're done. We're done. It's just a fascinating story of pure rebellion. And Jonah, the prophet of God, is the guy who is in rebellion and running from the Lord, not worshiping him. But now even they're going, fear has seized them. Verse 10, the men were seized by a great fear and said, what is this that you have done? I mean, how many times do you need Jonah to go, right, Lord, I messed up? How many times did I go through my life as a rebellious follower of Jesus, not willing to lay down my life and follow him, even after receiving the message? Wow. You know, why the the story of Jonah, and we'll get to the application, the bigger application in a second, but the story of Jonah resonates with me because I see myself in the past in particular. But there, but for the grace of God go I. And if that's true for me, it's also true for you. What is this that you have done? The men knew that he was fleeing from the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do uh, so that the sea will calm down? For the sea was getting worse and worse. Now look at the answer. I refuse to bend my knee and truly worship the Lord. Rather, throw me over the side Throw me over the side. Let me die in the deep waters. 
and this storm will calm down for you. He was willing to die for his disobedience. He was willing not to go to Nineveh to see either the judgment of God on 120 people or as we'll discover the main reason that he didn't go because he knew that God was slow to anger and rich in mercy because he knew that God would reach out and save them if they turned to him and he was willing to die he was willing to see his life end what an incredible thing. Nevertheless, look at these guys. They're the pagan guys. They're, they're, they're not like him at all. They, they, they don't know half the stuff that he knows. Uh, and they try to row harder. They try to get back to land. But they couldn't because the, the sea was raging against them. And more and more it was raging against them. So they called out to the Lord. And isn't that an irony? They don't even worship this Lord. And they're, they're calling out in this moment. Going, Lord, Lord, I'm really sorry here. We're going to have to throw this guy over the side, so please don't hold us accountable for his death. Please don't do that. And so eventually they grab him and off he goes. Now, I don't know uh, about you, but the, this act of rebellion is quite an incredible thing. As soon as he hits the water, I assume, or thereabouts, the sea starts to calm down. Everything starts to calm down. What strikes me, first of all, is that the men offered sacrifices because they were absolutely blown away, and they were seized with a great fear that what had just happened, because they knew that the Lord that was pursuing Jonah was the God who, the God of heaven, the heavens and the earth, and the one who created the sea and the dry land, because it was demonstrated right there in front of them when they threw him over but the Lord appointed a great fish. Now, he's ready to die, and God appoints a great fish to swallow him up, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. You know, I think I'd struggle for three days to be around a fish box full of fish for three days, because I reckon that would be absolutely reeking, right? Now, just think of that for a second. <laughs> You're inside, somehow or other, inside a big fish, and uh, I've got to be honest, maybe just at the before I do the splash, I'm giving myself a little bit of credit here, maybe too much. I think about at this point, at least, I might be going, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned, <laughs> right? Maybe. Uh, but I think by the time I see the tonsils of the big fish, if it had any, that I'd be going, okay, I messed up here, Lord. I'm done. Okay, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But what does the story say? There's something about Jonah that is profound that the Lord wants the people of Israel to know, and we'll get there in a second. I'm holding you to this. It, it's almost like he's folded his arms, not doing it, not doing it. Three days, hands up, three days in a big fish. Nobody. Well, I reckon I'd be the same as you, I have to say. I wouldn't want to be there for too long either, okay? He was willing to be there for three days unwilling to move in any way. And eventually, chapter 2 tells us, he went, Lord, okay, okay, I'm going to stop running. I messed up. And he's vomited up on the shore. And then chapter 3 tells the story of his proclamation of the message that was given to him in the first place. Now, isn't it amazing how we mess up our lives in sheer stubbornness and rebellion with the Lord? 
And that is really the story here. Why is this story important? Well, actually, you see the overarching theme of the book of Jonah, not through Jonah himself. Jonah himself is a small picture of a much bigger picture. The story of Jonah is actually about Israel. Well, God, the God of Israel, but about Israel. The rebellion of Jonah is about Israel. Because they, in word only, worship the Lord with all their mind, heart, strength, and soul, and worship their neighbor as themselves. Because when you understand what that means, it is this. The Jonah, you're to love your neighbor. The command I gave you was to love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, and go to your neighbor Nineveh and proclaim the message I have given you. But he goes, no, I will not go. And that is the story of Israel. The story of Israel rejecting the nations. Because remember the promise God gave to Abraham in the beginning? You will be a father of many. Israel, you'll be a father of Israel, but you many nations. That was the promise. And so the story of Jonah is one of rebellion. Yes, it's the prophet Jonah, but it's also the people of Israel. And they're reading this story, and it's towards them. It's pointing at them. You find Jesus, a few centuries later, telling some stories in parables, saying exactly the same thing. Peter says to him, how many times do we forgive? There are seven times, maybe maybe, uh, Peter says. No, 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 not seven times, 70 times seven. In other words, whenever you're asked uh, uh, for for forgiveness, you, you forgive. That's the way it works. And then he tells a story of an unjust king, or the unjust steward. And and that's, again, a parallel to the people of Israel in the time of Jesus, the story of the Good Samaritan. Again, another story of the heart and mind of the Israelites, the people of Israel, regarding the Word of God and the rebellious attitude to it and not willing to submit to God's Word. Isn't it a terrifying thing that when we even think about Dundee, um, let me just put it in, in football parlance. Um, now, I know there's one or two of you that are Dundee fans. Uh, now, this, is, this message is for you, okay? You Dundee fans, you need to go across the street up towards Tannadice, and you need to, next game, you need to stand in the middle of the pitch with a microphone, and you need to tell them all to repent because the, the, the Lord is coming in judgment. But in your heart, you're going, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to see them saved. I know the Lord is slow to anger, rich in mercy, and loving kindness. I'm not going to go to Tannadites and tell them that, because I'd rather the, Lord, the Lord's judgment come down on uh, these guys in orange, or vice versa. We can turn that around if you're a United fan. Okay. Uh, you might think that's a little bit better. You get the idea. All of a sudden, the heart is revealed in the light of Scripture, and it comes resonating towards you and me. And isn't it true that we in the church of Jesus Christ, in whom this message is meant for, the new Israel, that this message is meant for us because we can be doing the same thing. We can be looking around Dundee and going, oh, well, maybe we'll do a church plant here and a rough place there and we'll, we'll send them that. But we're quite happy here, thank you very much. We, we don't really mix with them. They're not kind of our people. We don't do that, do we? Am I standing on your toes yet? 
Because you see, one thing I've discovered is this, that in the highlands in particular, it's an amazing thing to think that far too many of us in the free church are willing to fish out of the pond of the free church and not even open our doors, not even begin to look outward to the world around us and serve them and love them and love our neighbor as ourselves. Oh, we're willing to, to, to uh, say the words, yes, what are the great commandments? Oh, well, to love the Lord. Because you see, um, the, doesn't that uh, also apply in the New Testament? Do you think Jesus said, well, no, 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 hang on a second. Uh, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. That, that is only the Old Testament stuff. And your neighbor, that's all Old Testament. You're looking at me kind of confused. It's a trick question. <laughs> it's sort of rhetorical. Of course not. Of course it applies. Because he's the same God. And he loves people in all the different parts of the city. And he's calling the churches of Christ to serve like Jesus Christ and go to the highways and the byways and to love them. Do you love each other? Do you love each other? It's maybe a little bit easier to love people who are kind of like us. But do you really love your neighbor? What does that begin to look like? Well, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to learn what that looks like and begin to practice it. Oh, do you love um, to forgive? Do you forgive one another? Do you hold someone else's feelings and problems or uh, feelings towards you higher than you would want them to hold that against you? You see, for me, the story of the Bible sheds light on our soul. And it really challenges us to the deepest recesses of our lives. So when you see the story of Jonah, you're reminded in chapter 4 of that profound moment. He is so angry that, that the worm and, and that God would allow this plant that give him a little bit of shade. And he says, hey, was it your plant? No. Well, you know, you're angry about the worm killing this plant. And yet... You're also angry at me wanting to show that I'm slow to anger, rich in mercy and loving kindness to the people in Nineveh. It's my love. I want to share it. That's our calling. To go and receive and give the very thing that we have received ourselves. How will the world know the church? What does Jesus tell us? What does the New Testament tell us about the world knowing the church? Well, first of all, it's by the way you what? Love. Come on, tell me. I don't like silent churches. I like people coming back to me from time to time at least. I know you're alive. Come on, Stephen. The world will know you. Okay, I feel like the, the teacher in nursery now. The world will know you by the way you what? One another. Like, oh, story of Jonah is the story of Israel. Don't let it be the new Israel. Don't let it be the follower of Jesus. You see, what the story of Jonah tells you, I believe, in many ways is this, that when you've got sin in your life and the Lord reveals it, do something about it. 
And the thing that you're called to do something about it with is the gift of repentance. Luther says repentance is the gift of, of, of the Christian for every day. It's an everyday thing that you're, you're called to use as a gift of repentance. So if you're needing to figure out um, the sin between people, fix it. Either forgive it or be forgiven. Seek forgiveness. And, and then, when this becomes a hotbed of loving the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength, and heart, and loving your neighbor as yourself, you're in your church neighbor, and then you begin to see, hang on a second, who's my neighbor wherever I live? Whether it's farther away from here or within the city. This is a challenge to you and me, not to be like the Old Testament hard-hearted Israelites, but to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who are willing to be like Him, to love Him and love the broken sinner as much as we love the person sitting beside us in our comfortable church buildings. The call surely is to listen to Him Obey Him, follow Him, love Him. And as the power of God works in your life, you will love one another and you will love the world around you because that is what we're called to do, to be the light of the world. Because God cares for every recess of Dundee as much as He cares for you. And we should never be holding back on mercy and love and grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord, you are indeed slow to anger, and I, I so thank you personally for that, and I continually reflect on the times when I was disobedient and stubborn myself. I, I thank you for that. I thank you for the gifts that you give me in terms of also repenting and turning and changing, <clears throat> seeking forgiveness and to be forgiven, and so on. Sometimes, Lord, I have lingered long with bitterness in my own heart regarding things that were said to me as I have revealed today. But also, Lord, when I failed others and an unwillingness to go to them to seek their forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would be a people supple in heart, willing to be shaped by your gracious hands. And that you would use us as the light of the world, showing Christ to everybody through action, through word, through our deeds, through everything, Lord. I pray that you would help us. And renew our walk with you today. And Lord, if there are things that are happening in our lives today, I pray that you will help us. Not only shed light on it, but deal with it immediately. Lord, we thank you for being a gracious God. Rich in loving kindness. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, Roddy, for bringing us your word and how, not just bringing us your word, but how the Lord, the Lord has worked in your own life. Uh, so thanks, thanks for that. Um, we're going to finish by singing Everyone Needs Compassion, Mighty to Save, and we'll stand to sing and remain standing for the benediction at the end as well. <laughs>